Hello and welcome to another Sunday podcast episode. The, uh, where are we? It's Friday. Yeah, Friday, just gone two o'clock. I haven't bothered with the weather, uh, not forecast, the report. It's been absolutely freezing. It's now warming up slightly. It's about 12 degrees at the moment. I don't know what the barometric pressure is. So many people are saying, what's happened to the weather? It's all got boring now. But apparently the sun is coming out about three o'clock. We've had more and more rain. Number two daughter's garden has flooded. They've been trying to dig a, a sort of sump, a soak away thing. They said, how deep should it be? And I thought, well, it's only a puddle. You know, about a foot deep, foot square. They did that. And there's a lake there now. So I've said you're going to have to have a sump, you know, a proper soak away, like a metre square by at least two metres deep, full of rubble and stuff. I don't know. So that's a bit of a pain. But, oh, talking of pain, I've had a result. Yesterday, Thursday, went to the doctor. He injected my knee. What was it? Uh, steroids and cortisone and anaesthetic. He said, it's, it's a concoction of whatever. And, you know, when I walked out of that doctor's place to the street, Trisha was driving the car just you know, in case I couldn't even walk, let alone drive. And it's perfect. Well, 95% perfect. I can't believe it. I've been walking around today. Perfect. He said you can only have three injections in your entire life. So that's one done. I've got two left. It might only last a few weeks, might last a few months. I don't know. He just said luck of the draw sort of thing. But what a result. I can actually walk around without having all this pain and the clicking has stopped. It's weird, isn't it? I don't know what it is, what they put in there, but whatever it is, it works. Okay, let's have a look at my notes as usual. Several of you contacted me about London Airport. Do you remember I was saying, is it Heathrow or is it Gatwick? I wasn't sure which one in the, back in the 50s. Right, thank you to all those that have let me know. It was Heathrow Airport. Now let's look at my notes here. I've always got these notes, haven't I? What have I written here? London Airport was Heathrow, right, back in the early days. But before the early days, Gatwick was Croydon Airport. OK, now I've heard of Croydon Airport. If you watch Poirot, you know Poirot, the Belgium detective, they have made several episodes where they filmed at Shoreham Airport up the road from me and they call it Croydon Airport because there is no Croydon Airport anymore. It's <laughs> You're going to get bored in a minute. It's Gatwick. Croydon, or rather Gatwick, no, Croydon became the overflow for Heathrow. Gatwick started off as a private sort of members flying club. They then, in, in the 30s or 40s, opened it up to uh, flying abroad and stuff like that. So it's all very interesting. It was a relief aerodrome. Gatwick was, oh, anyway, it's all, all confusing. But that's it. So Heathrow was the airport. Croydon was there. It was Gatwick and then it was private. Anyway, now Heathrow is the biggest in the UK. Gatwick up the road from me is the second biggest. And I went there with number one daughter, if you remember, the other day. Took her and her hubby out. They've gone to Florida. Now, here's the thing. Talking to Florida, here's the thing, as my son would say. He, they've all met up together. Number one daughter and hubby, my lad and his family, they've all met up at um, Disney. Is it World? Disney World? Whatever it is in Florida, Disney. And we've got photographs come back of them all together. Because, yeah, my boy and his lot, they live out there in North Carolina. So they nip down to Florida. You do that in America, don't you? You kind of nip to places. 
just nip here and nip there on planes and stuff. I don't know whether he drove, but that's interesting. Thanks to everyone about the aerodrome business and all the old days. Something else here. Um, Ray, thank you for the black and white film you sent me. Very short film about burglar alarms. Was it in the 30s? Can't remember now, Ray. I think it was in the 30s. And what it, what it was, there's a jewellery shop and they showed you in this sort of locked, locked up room the burglar alarm set up. What it was, it was a tele, <laughs> telephone dial, a gramophone deck, and if someone broke into the shop, which they did in this film, someone broke into steel jewellery, that triggered this entire system. So the telephone dial, automatic dial of 999, this thing in the dial, poking in the dial, and it went round three times, 999. When the phone was answered the other end, the record deck started playing a record, Hello, Scotland Yard. This is so-and-so jewellery shop in so-and-so high street. We are being robbed. This is an automatic alarm. Fantastic. You should see all this mechanical stuff and the electrical bits and pieces. Absolutely brilliant. Of course, all that these days would be in one tiny little microchip, wouldn't it? You see the record deck start up and play this record. <laughs> Great stuff. Alan. Hello, Alan. Hope you're listening. Um, a lengthy email, a bit of a story, actually. I've read it several times, so I won't be reading the email as such, but I shall relate the story. Alan, a few decades ago, this is, was into motorbiking. He had a lovely bike. I don't know what it was. You don't say what it was, Alan. Triumph or something like that. Harley Davidson, something like that, I expect. <laughs> if you're into bikes, that's the sort of thing you probably would have had years ago. He lived alone. Now, that's relevant in a minute. You'll see. He used to go out on his bike for a spin, as he's put it. One morning, lovely summer's day, going up the uh, up the main road, round a bend, patch of damp in the road or whatever it was, leaves, he's not sure, and he lost it straight off the road into the hedge. But not only into the hedge and through the hedge, then down an embankment into the undergrowth. He lay there for a couple of minutes thinking, what have I done? <laughs> that was a stupid mistake. He went to get up and he couldn't move his legs. His arms were okay, his head was right, he managed to take his crash helmet off, he's on his back, took his crash helmet off, lay there looking up at the, the foliage and the sun shining through the trees. You've written it quite nicely actually, uh, Alan, quite a nice way you've put it. And he's wondering what to do, wondering what on earth happened, how, how he managed to lose it on the bend, and what he was going to do because there was no one about. He's in the undergrowth. There's no one around. He lay there for some time. He, he raised his head. He couldn't see his bike, and he had assumed that it had gone further down the embankment into the even thicker and deeper undergrowth. He called out help. He could hear the traffic going by, whizzing past on the main road up above, up the embankment. He wondered whether there was a housing estate the other side where the undergrowth was. He wasn't sure exactly where he was. He knew which road he was on, of course, but he wasn't sure exactly where he had come off. He was shouting and shouting, obviously no response. He then began to think, what is going to happen? I can't move. I can't get anyone's attention. No one knows I'm here. What's going to happen? As the day dragged by, he was in pain with his legs, of course, but he was his head wasn't damaged at all. He was perfectly compassmentous. And he wondered what on earth to do how to get anyone's attention. He just had no way of getting it. This was before, obviously, mobile phones. Then the sun started to go down and dusk fell. 
Night time came, and he's just on his back, looking up at the stars, still wondering what on earth he was going to do, and how long he was going to be there. In the morning, nice sunny day again, the sun came up, the birds were singing. He's still there on his back. He was thirsty, he was in pain, and he then started to think, I'm going to die here. His injuries weren't life-threatening. I mean, he wasn't bleeding. He says there's no blood anywhere. He didn't seem to be bleeding. He wasn't bleeding internally. He reckoned that was the case because otherwise, you know, he wouldn't have lasted that long. He felt fine apart from his legs. Both were broken and he reckons in more than one place. He tried to move. He tried to crawl. He couldn't even roll over onto his front to crawl properly because of his legs. As the day wore on, he really did think that he was going to die there. Luckily, it was summer and not winter because hypothermia would have had him. That evening, before it was dark, he saw a woman walking towards him and he thought, thank goodness for that at last. There must be a footpath somewhere. Perhaps she's walking a dog. She walked up to him. She was a strange woman, dressed in a, a, white, a white dress. She was very pale and her hair was white. He said at first he thought it was a, a very light, pale blonde, but her hair was white. And she was deathly white herself. He wondered whether she was ill. She leaned over, stooped over him, and held her hand out, beckoning for him to take her hand. And he said, I can't, I can't, don't try and pull me up. I can't, my legs are broken. Can you get help? She stood upright, still looking down at him, withdrew her hand. And she looked down at him and frowned, as if she was confused or perplexed. And then she wandered off. And he's saying, can you get help? Help, can you get help? I need an ambulance. She disappeared. An hour later, he reckons about an hour later, a couple of policemen came <laughs> almost falling down the, the embankment, shouting out, you all right? You OK? Thank goodness, he said. I've never been so pleased to see a copper in all my life. And he said, I've come off my bike, my bike's somewhere down there. And how did you know I was here? And one of the, the coppers said, he said, we've had reports of some woman standing by the road waving at the cars and a couple of people have phoned it in. So we've come to have a look. We saw the woman as we got out of the car, went over to her. She wandered off into the bushes pointing. And now where is she? And he said, well, I haven't seen her. And they said, well, we followed her here. Now she's disappeared. Anyway, they got an ambulance and he went to hospital and he made a full recovery. His bike was okay, by the way, just a few dents here and there. As Alan says, that woman, he reckons, now you might laugh at this, I don't know what, you make up your own mind. He reckons that she had come along to lead him to wherever, the pearly gates, heaven or the other place. I don't know. He says, I don't know. And I don't know, Alan. I don't know. Was she some kind of angel come, you thought you died and she come to lead you off to some pearly gate plate I have no idea Alan says I will never know isn't that interesting now what are your thoughts on that I wonder what are your thoughts on that or was it just some strange woman that thought oh well I'll go and get help I'll wave down the cars as they go by no one stopped but at least as the copper said a couple of people had phoned it in and said there's some woman waving at the cars can you go and check her out interesting Alan thanks very much for relating that. Very interesting. It reminded me a story of a, a ghost story in a book I read years ago, decades ago, 
what was it called? On the Brighton Road. I think this chap's car broken down and he was walking along the Brighton Road when it was a lane, you know, like the A24 or whatever from London to Brighton. And this old tramp started walking with him and they were chatting as they went along. The tramp said, you know, you, you come into whatever town in a few miles, I'll walk with you. I forget the, the story exactly. It's supposed to be a true story. The tramp said, I often walk this route. And they were talking about it. And in the end, he, the, the chap said, oh, will I see you again you know, to the tramp? Will I see you again? You know, you've been great company. Is there anything I can do to help you? He said, yeah, you'll see me again. I always walk this road. This is where I killed myself in my car. And it ended there. How about that? <laughs> he must have crashed his car at some stage and forever walked the Brighton Road. Ray, thank you for the celery soup email. Now, hang on, what's this? We've got beeping going on. Newsflash. Oh, it's about my surgery. Thinking about your recent appointment at the surgery. Take a moment to answer the question. Yeah, I always get this after I've been around the doctors. They say, how was it? Excellent, good, rubbish, dreadful. <laughs> and I always put excellent because it is. So, you know, the service around there is brilliant. Now, celery soup. Ray, you remember I said no one does celery soup anymore. Heinz don't. Cross and Black were out of business or whatever they've done. They've disappeared. Ray said Campbell's. You know Campbell's, the condensed stuff? I have tried that. Someone got me a tin from somewhere. It's not quite the same. You, you've got a small tin and you mix it with the same amount of, as water or something. And, and that's. But anyway, Ray says they sell Campbell's celery soup all over the place. Thank you for that, Ray. Oh, the reason Alan on the motorbike, the reason living alone was relevant, just in case I didn't mention that, no one would have gone looking for him. He lived alone. No one's at home waiting and thinking, oh, where's Alan got to? So that's, that's that. <laughs> right. What else have I got on my notes here? Celery soup. Oh, Lee. Do you remember I mentioned last Wednesday, Lee, saying they had uh, snowy footprints leading from the back door into the kitchen. They were all locked up in the house. It was a cold evening. Always reminds me of that song. The weather outside was frightful. But the fire was so delightful. Something like that. And there's snowy footprints and everywhere was locked up. Now, I mentioned that last Wednesday and I've had another email. Just let me find it. Actually, it's uh, not past tense. It's present. The weather outside is frightful. The fire in here or whatever inside is delightful. Right, I found the email. It's from Poppy. That's a good name. Poppy and her husband bought a house. They were doing it up slowly over a couple of years. They'd only been there a couple of years. And they came to the last room and they pulled up the old carpet. It was the spare bedroom. They pulled up the carpet, got rid of that. One of the floorboards was loose. So they lifted this board and they found under there a jewellery box full of, as Poppy describes, fairly expensive looking jewellery. It wasn't fake. It was decent stuff, she reckoned. Her husband was saying, oh, this is great. We'll take it to the jeweller and sell it. We'll get it valued. We'll make some money. And she said, no, 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 hang on. We've got to find out who owns it. And of course, he was saying, well, how do we do that? She said, right, what we do is try and contact the people we bought the house from. Now, the story was the house was sold by this woman to Poppy and her husband. It was her mother's house, this woman's house. It was her mum's house who passed away this daughter didn't move into it. She just sold it straight away. Her and her husband, they just sold it. They emptied the furniture out, left some of the carpets down and sold it. 
Poppy and her husband managed to trace this woman. It had only been two years since they bought it from her. And they went round to see her. And uh, they said, you know, have you lost anything? Was anything missing? And the, the woman said, I don't know what you mean. She said, well, look, we found something in the house. She didn't want to say what it was. If she said, oh, expensive jewellery, the woman might have said, oh, yeah, that's mine. <laughs> and grab it. So the woman said, well, my mum did have a box of expensive jewellery and we never found it. After she passed away, we cleared out all the old furniture and then sold the house to you. We never found the box of jewellery and we assumed that she must have sold it or whatever, done something with it. But she said, we thought that odd because she never mentioned it. She'd always said, the jewellery will be yours one day when I go. And she never mentioned it. Surely if she'd sold it, she would have said, look, sorry, I needed the money, I've sold it. Anyway, she described a couple of the items to Poppy and Poppy said, well, that's it. I've got it in the car. She went and got the box and the woman was delighted. Oh, my mother's jewellery, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. And she said, how did you find it? Where did you find it? So now Poppy explained, now this is the interesting bit. They'd been in the house for two years and they heard this banging, like thumping. Someone's thumping on the floor in the spare room. They put it down to the old water pipes. Poppy said that uh, the place needed re-plumbing, re-wiring, re-everything. It was a right old mess. And that's what they put it down to. Thump, thump, thump up in the spare bedroom on the floor. They reckoned that that's possibly the mother, the old lady that had passed away, banging there to say, look, my jewellery's here under the floor. <laughs> How about that? What do you think about that one? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. All coincidental, possibly, yes, it may be old water pipes. Oh, mind you, Poppy has said that there weren't any water pipes there. They were in the bathroom. They didn't run under the floor. But coincidental, something's banging away. I don't know. Or was it the old lady? My jewellery's under the floorboard. Come and find it and give it to my daughter. Interesting. Raise rants at protonmail.com. Raise rants at protonmail.com. Do you have any stories? Also, do you have any MP3s? I'm always on about this, aren't I? Banging on about MP3. Send me a recording. Even if you just say, hello, it's Fred here from Nova Scotia. I can say, hello, Fred, how are you doing? <laughs> right, let's, let's move on. Oh, by the way, it's now 20 past three and the sun has come out. So the weather forecast wasn't too bad. In fact, it was pretty accurate. So that's pleasing. And it's warming up out there at last. I just dropped something on the floor, knelt down to get it, and my knee is fine little bit of a twinge. They did say it could take some time, a few days to work properly. But it's it's miraculous that, uh, what is it? Statin, not statin, steroids, whatever they put in there. Miraculous. It's Friday. We're off to the club. Not late afternoon, not between sort of four and five like we normally do. We're going this evening with Trisha's sister, her husband and this other friend of ours, this chap, Dave. There's a music quiz on, which I hate. I mean, I love it. In case Trisha's listening brilliant I'm really looking forward to this evening the music quiz it's all right I don't know the answers when they say what was this record called back in the 60s I think oh I know that I know it well I was there in the 60s I can't remember the title which group did it what was the lead singer's name oh I know I can see his face I don't know because Trish knows everything music wise she answers virtually every question correctly anyway we're off there tonight so I might sit there with my new no, it's not a new knee is it it's an injected knee. I think they put Gorilla Glue in it. You know Gorilla Glue? I think they pumped that in it to hold it all together. Anyway, it doesn't hurt. And I can walk 
and I can use it again. My sister-in-law, who we're seeing tonight, she said, eat your heart out, Usain Bolt, here comes Ray. I'm not too sure that mine is that good. I'm not the bionic man. Well, it's now Saturday and we did very well in the quiz. We came second. That was all Trisha's doing, not mine. I answered one. It was Deep Purple. They played a little bit of a track. What was this called? And it was Black Knight. And our table, I was the only one that knew that. So I did contribute a little bit. But the rest of it, I just can't remember. I can't remember anything. OK, uh, what else was I going to say? I've just managed to mow the lawn. The temperature now is rising, which is good. Showers forecast for next week. I remember, do you remember in the UK, don't know about abroad anywhere, back in the old days when pub quizzes started, you'd have a chap and he'd sort of walk around the pub saying, right, question number one, and you'd all write down the answer. I remember that. I used to quite enjoy that, actually, in the old days. But they weren't that popular. Then they became very popular as a way of getting people into the pubs because pubs, unfortunately, these days are empty. They really are empty. People just, well, they're pubs. They're not pubs, they're restaurants, aren't they? I've, I've moaned about all this before. They're restaurants, really. They're not pubs. There are one or two traditional sort of English or British pubs left, but I don't know. They're totally different. One of the families, our niece, I can't remember. I get confused with cousins and people removed and stuff like that. No, it's not a cousin, a youngish girl off on a hen night. They're going abroad, a Spain, I think. That's odd. Is that odd or is it just me being old fashioned again? Off to Spain for a hen night. Well, I think it's several nights. So I don't know. And what happened was, um, I'm talking like as if they're going, they've actually been, they've come back now. And out of the group of however many of them went, three of them have come back with COVID. They've tested positive for COVID. So there's a nightmare. And the one that's getting married soon, she's now worrying. She wasn't tested positive, but she's now worrying that she's going to develop, or whatever you do, COVID, and it'll ruin her wedding. So I don't know. Why do they go abroad? I only mention that because talking of pubs, it was stag nights were usually in pubs back in the 60s, weren't they? Just a load of lads doing a pub crawl or staying in one pub for the evening and getting drunk. <laughs> Last day of freedom and all that nonsense, people used to say. But the hen nights, they were good. I remember in our local pub, you get the odd hen night, you know, a load of girls would come crashing in there, drinking vodka and vodka and tonic in the old days, wasn't it? Vodka and tonic for the girls and lager for the lads. <laughs> they were good days. I do miss pubs as they were. What's it like abroad? I know a lot of people listen to this you know, from other countries, America and Australia, New Zealand, Spain. Of course, in Spain, I suppose it's mainly holiday type places, isn't it? Bars and pubs for the holidaymakers. But what's it like for the locals? I mean, do you, if you live in Spain, do you have a local bar or pub that you go to where the holidaymakers aren't there, you know, somewhere hidden away so you can keep away from all the all the foreigners that turn up in your country? and start drinking too much and causing problems. I think that's normally the, the British that do that, isn't it? From what I've understood on the, the television anyway. Young Brits, especially the lads, well, and the girls, they seem to go abroad, to, especially to Spain, and get drunk and wreak havoc. <laughs> Not really my idea of a holiday, but I did go to Spain when I was young and you know, with a group of young lads, and we didn't do that. We were, what, uh, late teens, I suppose? Yeah, late teens. We didn't do that. We had a few beers and had a good time. I don't remember getting drunk and causing fights and things. 
But hen nights, though, abroad, it's everyone goes abroad these days for everything, even marriages, of course. Two or three members of our family, the youngsters, got married in Cancun over in Mexico. Apparently it's lovely. I've never been to Mexico, but apparently it's lovely. Times change, don't they? <laughs> and some of us, some old stuck-in-the-muds like me, don't like it. No, it's, it's fine. If that's what the youngsters want to do, that's fine. That's their life, isn't it? They want to get on with that. That's not a problem for me at all. In fact, <laughs> it makes our pubs quieter. Not that we've got any left. I was talking to a friend of mine this morning and we were talking about telephones. He wants to get rid of his landline phone. That's uh, so do I. But Trisha said, oh, well, you know, both our mums use it. I think that's all we use it for. Our mums, they, they, we ring them or they ring us on the landline. I don't know why they don't like the mobile numbers. You know, we've both got mobiles. But in the old days, I remember a kid at school. I was going to go around his house. He was selling something and I was going to have a look. And he said, oh, what's your phone number? I'll give you a ring when we're back. He was going out with his mum and dad, I think. And he said, we should be back about seven. I'll phone you. What's your number? And I said, well, we haven't got a phone. And we hadn't at the time. No, obviously no mobile when I was young. And he said, oh, OK. Um, well, just come round about seven and hope that we're back. And... When we did get a phone, it was quite, it was a miraculous thing. I remember the I got in from school and my mum had arranged for a friend of mine down the road to phone me, sort of four o'clock, got in about quarter to. I didn't know the phone had been installed. This is the 50s, of course. I was, I don't know, in the lounge, the kitchen, wherever I was, and I heard a phone ringing. And I said to my mum, what's that? She said, oh, it's our phone. Why didn't you answer it? And I said, hello. And it was this friend of mine. Hello, Ray, how you doing? <laughs> That was a, a memorable day. But now so many people don't have a landline phone. I don't think any of our kids or our grandchildren that have left home and got their own places to live, none of them. I don't, I'm trying to think. I don't think anyone's got a, a landline. Only our mums, both mums have landlines. I can't think of any other members of the family that have got them. They're all on mobiles, of course. I don't know why our mums don't want to phone our mobile numbers that's a bit odd but they don't like it uh, it's probably just well, a bit like me stuck in the mud but I'm not stuck in the mud with phones I would like to get rid of the landline there's no point in having the thing <laughs> well our, our mums would disagree with that of course but how are you doing do you have a landline let me know raise rants at protonmail.com because these days apart from the mobile phone there's you can do all the video stuff can't you with there's um what's it called FaceTime and is Skype still going? Yes, I've been trying to use that, wasn't I? I was um, a friend of mine over in Ireland, but I had trouble with Skype and I wonder whether it's still running. There were Skype telephones for sale. I remember in our supermarket, this is years ago, you could buy a Skype telephone, which was, what was it? VoIP, voice over internet protocol or whatever it is. And I don't think that caught on. No one wanted a Skype telephone. So that didn't catch on at all. But of course, why have a landline? You know, you've you've got all these different things, even on your laptop, your PC, your iPad. You can make calls. I mean, my son and I, he lives in North Carolina. We chat regularly on FaceTime. You know, we certainly wouldn't use a phone. <laughs> There's no need. Uh, of course, we've got video as well. So he can show me the, the kids, you know, the grandchildren, how they're doing and what he's been doing in the garden. It's all quite interesting. How did we survive without mobiles and the internet in the old days? I'll tell you how. Extremely well. <laughs> there was a 
programme on the TV the other day, they were showing some youngsters, the old dial-type telephones, and these youngsters were saying, well, what are you meant to do? How do you... They're pressing their finger into the number holes. Well, it doesn't do anything. Well, no, you turn the dial and let it let it run back. And I think they were quite amazed at the comments coming out. quite interesting. And, of course, I remember on Tomorrow's World. Who remembers Tomorrow's World? Was it with Raymond Baxter back in the old days? That was a good programme. I remember them saying on there, one day all furniture will be plastic. Oh, listen, Morse code. I must have left one of my radios on over there. Yes, I have. Yes, furniture will be plastic. And I remember thinking, plastic? You can't have plastic chairs and tables. Well, we have, haven't we? Patio stuff, but it's awful. There's nothing worse than plastic table and chairs. I don't like it. Anyway, going back to tomorrow's world. I remember when they were saying, one day the phone will be video as well as just audio. You'll be able to see each other. And people thinking, "Uh, I don't want that. I remember people saying to me, I don't want video. People seeing me. What if I've just come out of the bathroom? I don't want people looking at me. And I said, well, no, you can turn the video off. You don't have to be on video. (laughs) So I remember a lot of people up in arms about that. We're not having video phones. We don't want that. And now, look, everyone has the capability of making calls uh, with video, of course. Where would we, (laughs) again, where would we be without video? I don't know. Was it? uh, No, I'm not going to harp on about happier times. Times were easier. You didn't have all these uh, nuisance calls and emails from, you know, spam stuff and all that. Didn't have all that. If the phone rang, it was someone that either looked you up in the phone book, because initially everyone was in the phone directory. And then people started going X directory because you get the odd call from whoever. I think we were always ex-directory. So you knew if someone was phoning you, it's someone that you've given your number to. They haven't found it on the internet, online. They haven't bought a load of numbers so they can spam people or whatever. So life was easier as far as communication was uh, concerned, I suppose. Did you, if you're in the UK, did you get the alert on your, you know, the government alert, whatever it's meant to do, this warning thing on your phone? Or have you turned it off? A lot of differing opinions about that. Some people are saying, I don't want them looking at my phone and installing things on my phone. They'll know where I am. Well, they know where you are anyway. I think without the alert system, they can track phones, don't they? If there's been a robbery, they'll get the chap's phone number and they can work out where he was, work out the coordinates of where the phone was at the time. They can say, well, look, you were there outside that jewellery shop at the time it was robbed. (laughs) I don't know where that would stand up in court because he could say, well, I was just walking home. I was passing the jewellery shop. This alert thing, I don't know. In a way, if we had, uh, they used to be called earth, earth, not earthquakes. They used to be called tidal waves. They're now tsunamis, aren't they? Tsunamis. Why aren't they called tidal waves anymore? I don't know. That's another thing that's changed. Oh, what did I read this morning? They're trying to change something. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'll tell you that in a minute, if I remember. So these alerts, I mean, if we had, say, something serious going on close by, there's been a a huge fire or something, would it be good to get an alert to be told? I mean, we get alerts. I get alerts, news things of that on my watch, my whatever it is, watch Fitbit. And I was saying to my son the other day, uh, Google have taken over Fitbit. And I said, oh, now they'll be able to track my every heartbeat. And he said, well, Fitbit can do that anyway. You don't need Google to take them over to do that. So I think we're, we're tracked and everything anyway. So I don't know. Does the Prime Minister really want to look up to see where I am? Look, there's Ray in the pub. 
<laughs> is he interested? Talking to the Prime Minister, he is going to continue calling the uh, place Brecon Beacons. To, uh, he's going to call it Brecon Beacons because that's the English name for it. Apparently, the Welsh name now applies, which I can't pronounce. I No doubt Welsh people can. Do you live in Wales? What do you think if you're in Wales? Brecon Beacons. I mean, that's known probably the world over. Well, maybe not the world over. <laughs> so what do you think about that? Changing the names of places. I mean, in London, they've changed a load of street names and people aren't doing it. They're not, uh, what's the word? Conforming. I'm not doing that. I'm not living in whatever street. I'm going to keep my old one. And people have been spraying over the, the new street names, haven't they? And putting up signs with the old names on. And they've been destroying these, uh, what are they? ULES cameras ultra low emission zone, ULES, which uh, the Mayor of London has been putting up. I've seen all these pictures and videos of people spraying paint over the cameras and foam and cutting the wires and actually destroying the cameras, knocking them off their, off their poles because <laughs> they don't want the ULES things. Is it £12.50 a day now? They have to pay extra. You can't imagine all this back in the, the 50s and 60s. You can't, if you said to people, it's going to cost you a lot of money just to drive your car into London. Yeah, you know, they'd be saying, what? Well, who's going to go to London then? I don't know. So much has changed in, well, in just my lifetime. So much has changed. And it, I know youngsters say, oh, you're always on about the past. They do. Youngsters say to me, what are you always banging on about the old days for? You know, get up to date. <laughs> it's, uh, it's changed. You know, why don't you live for today and accept all the new stuff? I do. I've got all sorts of new technology. I've got my Fitbit watch. We've got uh, wireless security alarm, outside lights, mobile phones, PC, all the up-to-date stuff. So I'm not living in the dark ages. <laughs> it's just that there's a lot from the old days that I prefer. Something else that people are destroying. Have you heard of these 15-minute cities or towns or whatever they're? I'm not quite sure. That, that was me going through my notes, sorry. Flicking bits of paper everywhere. Yeah, 15-minute places where everything you want is within 15 minutes of where you live. I think that's the idea. So whether it's a, I don't know, a sweet shop or whatever, a garage, a charging place for your car, it's all within 15 minutes. And they're blocking roads, aren't they? Have you, If you're abroad, have you seen this on the telly? Huge boxes, big wooden boxes, what they fill with earth and concrete and put flowers in it and posts in the middle of uh, roads. So you can't drive down them. Well, people have been smashing the posts down and setting fire to the wooden boxes. And I mean, I shouldn't laugh. It's criminal. But uh, I do understand. I mean, if they put wooden boxes at one end of our road and said, you're not going that way anymore. I don't think the boxes would stay there for very long or bollards sticking out of the road. I think they would probably disappear pretty quick overnight. So I don't know what that's all about. And... Changing the name of Brecon Beacons. I mean, everyone knows the Lake District up north there. Lovely area. I've never been there, but lovely area. The Lake District. Well, imagine changing that to something else. People will be saying, what, where, who? What were you talking about? Oh, the Lake District. So uh, there we are. And also in the 60s, we did have alerts. Uh, the Cold War in the 60s here, we had um, sirens that would go off. Four minute warning. And I remember TV announcements saying, if you hear this four minute warning, whatever it was, then um, 
hide under the kitchen table, which wouldn't really help you if there was a nuclear attack. But uh, yeah, we had the alert back then. Not on the phone, admittedly, but towns had sirens that would go off and you've got four minutes before the bomb hit. So I don't know, what would you do in four minutes? Have a cup of tea, I suppose. I do think it's a shame to change the names of places. Imagine someone saying, oh, I'm going down to Hampshire to visit the old forest. Old forest? Oh, you mean the new forest? Oh, well, it was new once. It's old now. <laughs> I'm not, uh, another one. Yes, um, I'm going down to the left country. Where's the left country? Well, west is left, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. I hate it when they change the name of pubs. Uh, I've moaned about this before, haven't I? What is it? It was the Royal Coach in Shoreham. The Royal Coach. Everyone knew the coach. A landmark. Now it's the Longshore. I moaned about this a few weeks back. The Longshore. You say to people, I tell you what, if you go just past the Longshore, then the garage you want is on the right. Longshore? What's that? Oh, you mean the coach, the Royal Coach. Why do they change names? I think people sit behind desks. What are they? Officious little... No, I better not say that. <laughs> and they haven't got a clue what they're doing. They just say, oh, I tell you, what, what should I do today? I know. I know. I'm going to change the name of a few streets. Yeah, I don't like that name. We'll change the names of a few streets. And of course, people won't comply. They won't conform. If they tried to change the name of our street, I don't think any of us lot here would agree. We'd all be on our WhatsApp group. We've got a whole WhatsApp group. Most of the streets are on it. And I think we'd all be saying, right, well, we're not changing. End of... <laughs> and rip out the signs and put the old sign back. Make our own signs to uh, what the street was called. There we are, progress. People always say, oh, well, yeah, these names, they're offensive to someone. No, they're not. They're not offensive to people. Won't go into that, though, in case some of you... Uh, uh, what is it? Oh, you might get triggered. <laughs> oh, what was that other... There's a, a book, they keep worrying about books now. Some of the old books from the you know, hundreds of years old, they're having to change things. They were, what are they on about the other day? Changing some Shakespeare text or something because someone was triggered. <laughs> don't make me laugh. I don't know. I was watching... No, I better not say that. I was watching on YouTube the other day a little bit of Alf Garnet. Enough said. <laughs> I'm going to end this in a minute. I know it's not an hour. I never quite get to the hour, do I? Sometimes I think, oh, it's going to be over the hour today, and it's not. We've got quite a lot going on. As I said, it's Saturday. The sun's out. I've mowed the lawn already. Got a lot of other jobs to do. And we have quite a few people around this afternoon. We have a bit of a, a celebration. Went to the club last night for the music quiz. And uh, later this afternoon and evening, uh, we're having a birthday sort of celebration for me. Because my birthday isn't far off now. So it's best to have a little drink or two at the weekend so I've got to go and help Trish mother-in-law's already here <laughs> we picked her up this morning done my mum's housework well Trish did that I fixed her what was it her, her, her table lamp or something I fixed that no a sort of standard lamp that was falling off so I I've tightened everything up on that and redone the connections on the switch so we've done all our bits and pieces now we've got to get things ready for the the birthday bash later this afternoon there we are. Look at that. I'm 58 again. <laughs> yeah, 58 plus a few years. <laughs> Dear happy days. Trish said a couple of weeks ago, because she likes organising surprises. She said, now, your birthday, what do you want to do? And I said, nothing. <laughs> she said, well, we can't do nothing on your birthday. And I said, no, no, I, I don't want to do anything. I want to stay here. So it's not a surprise as such. I have had surprises from her in the past. 
Yeah, we, oh, we go to so-and-so pub just for a couple of drinks as it's your birthday because you get there and all the family are there and some friends and, oh, hey, hello, happy birthday. I don't like all that. I just, <laughs> I'd just rather sit here in the garden, perhaps with Trish, and have a beer and she can have a glass of wine. So we've only got a few people around. It's not, well, most of the family are away. Number one daughter is in Florida with her family. Number two daughter, she's gone, is it uh, Spain, Portugal? So yeah, most of them are away somewhere, which is a bit of luck, because <laughs> it'll be quiet here. Now, we have a bit of music. My brother-in-law said last night, have you got any reggae? I have. So I'm going to play some reggae music, which reminds me, I must sort that out. I think I've got a whole on the you know, on the computer which all plays through the amp and the speakers see all the modern stuff i've got a folder which is all reggae so i might blast some of that out and annoy the neighbors no they're fine the neighbors love me i haven't got much choice have they right there goes the doorbell people are arriving already it's a bit early take care i shall see you on wednesday with the midweek message and uh, if you want to email me raise rants at protonmail.com Thanks for listening. Sorry it's a little bit shorter this week. Bye-bye for now.